Welcome to this podcast by City Point Church, Redcliffe. We are so happy you could join us and pray that the following message will encourage and empower you. It's good to be here. It's good to be back with uh, my friends, Pastors Sam and Carolina and their family and just to meet new team and new people. was here a couple of years ago. Uh, then we were locked in Alcatraz down in Melbourne for nine months and uh, they've let us out. We're all disease free. It's all good. You can come and say hello at the end of the service. And uh, we've just had a great weekend. It's been amazing sharing at a conference, but I've been really looking forward to coming here because I believe that God wants to speak something into the soil of this house and into your life. And uh, you're not here by accident. You're here by divine design. And, uh, and so why don't we just pray together and we'll get into it. Father, we just honor you. We love you. We thank you, O oh God, for your goodness and your grace. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow this house and our lives all the days of our life. And Father, right now, I just command your peace to settle in, upon people's hearts. Lord, where there's restlessness, where there may be, O oh God, is things happening in people's personal lives that could cause them to be distracted, even in the atmosphere of this moment and this service. Father, we are asking right now that the Prince of Peace would come and minister courage and faith and peace into people's hearts. We ask, O oh God, that you would stir our faith today. That, Lord, as you open blind eyes and open deaf ears and raise people from the dead and minister life and transformation into people's desperate situations, God, I'm believing that even as I preached this gospel of the kingdom, that, God, your presence would come and invade the contradictions and paradoxes of our lives. And that, God, Jesus would be glorified in this moment. And the Holy Spirit would cut loose, O oh God, in this service. And that, Father, we would see your kingdom come and your will be done, O oh God, on earth and in this region as it is in heaven. Father, I pray that sick bodies will be healed and minds restored. Lord, I thank you, O oh God, that you're a God who has answers for our questions, solutions for our problems. And Lord, I just declare your blessing, your favor, Lord, upon every life, every family and upon this church Lord, that its reach and influence would continue to expand and God, Jesus, would be glorified through this house. We pray your blessing upon your people and upon your word today. In Jesus' name we pray and everyone said, Amen. Well, I want to invite you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 12. I'm going to read from verses 22 to 32. This week as I was praying into coming here and this morning in my devotions, I just felt God just put upon my heart this passage. And um, it's a rather confronting passage, but it's truth and it's powerful. And Jesus describes a, or should I say Matthew describes an encounter between Jesus and a demon-oppressed man. And the Bible says in verse 22, Then a demon-oppressed man who was blind and mute was brought to him, and Jesus healed him, so that the man spoke and saw. And all the people were amazed and said, Can this be the son of David? But when the Pharisees heard it, they said, It is only by Beelzebul, the prince of demons, that this man casts out demons. Knowing their thoughts, he said to them, Every kingdom divided against itself is laid waste, and no city or house divided against itself will stand. 
And if Satan casts out Satan, he is divided against himself. How then will his kingdom stand? And if I cast out demons by Beelzebel, by whom do your sons cast them out? Therefore, they will be your judges. But if it is by the Spirit of God that I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. How can someone enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds the strong man? Then indeed he may plunder his house. Whoever is not with me, Jesus says, is against me. And whoever does not gather with me scatters. Therefore I tell you, every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven people, but the blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven. And whoever speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven, but whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven either in this age or in the age to come. What a rather confronting passage of Scripture for 10.30 a.m. in sunny Queensland. Uh, maybe not yesterday, but today. Um, you know, there is a message that unfortunately much of the modern church has forgotten and it's the message that Jesus came preaching. The central message that Jesus came preaching when he arrived on planet earth was the message of the kingdom of God. In fact, the Bible says that when Jesus rose from the dead, what he did between him rising from the dead and his ascension was to teach on the kingdom of God. He, he started his ministry preaching on the kingdom. He ended his ministry preaching on the kingdom. And even the apostle Paul, when he was under Roman guard in Rome awaiting his trial, the Bible says in Acts he did nothing but teach and preach about the kingdom of God. Why is it that the message that Jesus primarily preached is often the most neglected message in the modern church. Maybe not this church, but definitely as I go across the body of Christ, we often preaching everything else about how to help people in their practical life application skills. And all of those things are important and good. And the kingdom of God has answers and patterns for all of those things. But, but we need to come back to the essence of the message of the gospel of the kingdom. The gospel of the kingdom is the gospel of Jesus' rule and reign in the earthly realm. The kingdom of God is not a place. It's not just a concept. It's the rule and reign of God in people's hearts. And I want to speak to you today on the power of the kingdom of God. Several years ago, I was at a gym and uh, a personal trainer walked up to me with his arm in a sling. And uh, he, we had a conversation. He heard his arm training someone. And uh, he leaned in and whispered, looked left and right and whispered, do you think you could do something for my arm? And I'm thinking to myself, I'm confused. I'm not a physio or a physician. What's he asking? He said, you know, like, do your thing, do your thing. And I realized he was asking me to sort of, you know, pray and believe for healing. And so I gently put my hand on his arm and just prayed a simple prayer in the authority of the name of Jesus. And as I began to pray, he says, my arm is heating up. I said, well, that's probably the presence of God. I said, go and test it. And he began to lift weights and, and his arm was completely healed in a moment. Because wherever someone has a revelation, not just of the name of Jesus, but of the power of the kingdom that we represent, miracles and signs and wonders become a normal part of our everyday life. 
And it's amazing to me that even though this guy wasn't necessarily a follower of Jesus, that for all of Western culture's emphasis on reason and logic, we're enamored with the supernatural. We have movies like The Avengers and TV shows like The Supernatural, books with supernatural themes. We have thousands of people each year going to mind, body, spirit festivals. And for all of that interest in the supernatural, the church tries to hide it away thinking, oh, we don't want to scare people away. And so we remove and sanitize the power and the rawness of the kingdom of God, thinking that they're all going to go and show up at our door. And then we discover even for all of our seeker-sensitive approaches, how's that working for you they're still not coming into the church the early church did not sanitize the gospel of the kingdom they didn't sanitize the power of the holy spirit they were just the church don't say people's no for them. People are desperate, hungry for the authentic. They want to see the reality of who Jesus is. And you and I are called to be representatives and reproducers, ambassadors of the kingdom of God everywhere we go. Why is it that we're so intrigued with the supernatural? Part of it is because we want to escape the ordinary moments of our lives. There is something about the cosmic battle of good versus evil that thrills our hearts we're in the mundane of everyday life we're searching for something otherworldly and cosmic that would distract us from a moment from the pain and the challenges that we face in our lives but there's a far more and deeper reason why we're enamored with the supernatural it's because God has hardwired us for the divine you need to know you've been made in the image and likeness of a supernatural God And the Bible tells us in Ecclesiastes 3.11 that God has put eternity into our hearts. You might be here today for the first time. Maybe you've got God questions, faith questions. Maybe you've never made a decision to follow Jesus, but you need to know you're not here by accident. God loves you. You're here by purpose. He wants a relationship with you. God has put eternity. He's put a supernatural capacity inside of you to connect with Him. Someone once said, we aren't just human beings having a spirit experience, we're spirit beings having a human experience. Romans 1 tells us that creation bears witness to a creator and therefore to a supernatural realm beyond our own. And unfortunately, much of the modern church doesn't tend to approach the unseen realm of the Bible with the same appetite as we approach science fiction movies. And so because of that, modern Christianity is often presented to the world an inferior view of the kingdom of God as powerless, and yet our king is the king of kings and the Lord of lords, almighty and all-powerful, And we've got to guard our hearts and we've got to contend for the supernatural because 2 Timothy 3, 5 prophesies that in the last days, people will have a form of godliness but deny its power. That will be a people that will celebrate form over substance. Will celebrate religion over relationship. Will be enamored with the ritual rather than the revelation of God's goodness and power in our lives and in the earth. Let's not become satisfied with verbal explanations of the kingdom rather than visible demonstrations. 
God has not asked you to become a professional explainer of why when you prayed for a sick person, nothing happens. I'm amazed that we as the church often have to do, you know, all sorts of twists and turns to verbalize and explain why God didn't do something. The Bible doesn't ask us to explain why God didn't do something. The Bible asks us to ask and you shall receive. Seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will be open to you. Be it unto you according to your faith. The Bible asks us to dare to believe and to contend and let God be the defender of himself. I've prayed for people and things haven't happened. I've seen tragedy and heartache in my own family. My mother died at 59 years of age, five years ago, of a lung disease for 25 years. In and out of hospital for 25 years. Sometimes being in hospital for up to nine months. And I have seasons where for six weeks of prayer and fasting, her health began to improve. And then as tiredness set in, the busyness of life, her health began to deteriorate. I I know those moments of contending and not seeing breakthrough, but I've also seen those glorious moments of miracles, signs and wonders, and God moving in amazing ways. And each of those paradoxes and contradictions don't cause me to step back. They cause me to draw near to the heart of God, knowing that as I draw near, He will draw near to me. I'd rather stand on the side of faith and to believe and see God move than to become a skeptic and a spectator of the move of God through my church and through my community and through this world that desperately needs to encounter the living Jesus. You see, the kingdom of God, the Bible says, doesn't consist of talk, it consists of power. There comes a time where the talk has to cease and action has to happen. And we're living in a world where they're hearing lots of talk. I call it the war of words. There's a war of words in media. There's a war of words in the culture and everyone's yapping away. But, and, and, and we have a reason for the hope that we have and we are to give a reason for the hope that we have, but we are to back up that hope with a demonstration of the power of God. I remember chatting with a pastor at a church and he's talking about the lack of the power of God in his church. And he's like, I'd love to see the Holy Spirit move in our church but it's just not our culture. And the first question I have, well, what gospel are you preaching? Because in Mark 16, Jesus said that this gospel of the kingdom will be confirmed and accompanied by signs and wonders. So if we're not seeing a visible demonstration of the kingdom of God, we've got to question what gospel are we really preaching? Secondly, if we're being led by the culture rather than leading the culture, something is wrong. And often as an Aussie church in a climate where there is all sorts of ideological persecution and angst coming against the church, we can sort of bunker down with the fortress mentality that says, you know, let's just hang on until Jesus returns. But I read in the Bible, the end of the book, we win. He's coming back for a pure, glorious and spotless bride. Jesus is no longer a little baby in a manger, all warm and cuddly. We're not praying, dear Lord baby Jesus. We're praying, come Lord Jesus, conquering King. He's a fully mature adult with flames in his eyes and his hair as white as wool. He's coming on a white horse with a tattoo on his leg and he's coming back for his people with a sword in his mouth and he's coming back as a conquering King. 
We've got to ask God to break off of our mindsets and our hearts a spirit of timidity and fear when it comes to our visible witness for who God is and what he has done in our lives. If there is a lack of power in our lives, let's not blame God because the lack is never on God's end. It's always on ours. That's not meant to condemn us, but it should be an invitation, a challenge to compel us to draw closer to the heart of God. When the disciples couldn't minister freedom to the tormented boy, oppressed by spirits, they didn't go to Jesus back in the green room after the conference and say, how come you couldn't cast the demon out? What's wrong with your power, God? No, they came to Jesus and they said, why couldn't we bring healing and ministry of freedom to the boy? And Jesus said, this kind can only come out by a posture of prayer and fasting. When was the last time you got so desperate for God to move in your life that you were willing to deny yourself even of some practical things so that you could touch heaven? When was the last time you turned up to remnant room and said, God, I need you to come in my life? May it not be that it's just when you're in a paradox and a contradiction that you seek God, but let us be a people that have a hunger, a thirst and an appetite. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. In worship in the the 8.30am service, I was there and I saw this picture of a historical fountain. And I believe that God was showing me something of a spring, a geyser of water that was springing up like rivers of living water out of the ground. And when God planted this church and this location, it was birthed in signs and wonders, miracles of healing, breakthrough, people oppressed by demons being set free. And I saw over the history of the church, there were seasons and moments where that geyser was at different lengths and that spring and fountain was at different heights and, and it was watering in the region and then in different seasons it's almost been the water's still been there but it's been like this bubbling up just above the water's surface but I saw it beginning to spring back into a great height of fountain again and I saw that God was about to strike the geyser he's about to do something in this church and in your life where the spring of living water is going to burst and gush over again where you're coming into a season of answered prayer of signs and wonders of a great movie of the Spirit of God and I saw around that spring and fountain it was like pond of water that stretched out in a 360 degree direction and I saw people coming from north and south east and west right across this region this isn't just a church for this street corner and this highway this is a a church for the entire region of this part of greater Brisbane We've got to get a bigger vision for our lives and for our church, not just your pastors, not just the global senior pastor, but all of us have got to capture a vision of the kingdom of God advancing across this region. Could I be so bold as dare to prophesy over you that even over the next five or ten years, it wouldn't surprise me, I see it in my spirit, that God plants another church out of this location in time to come. That there is a purpose of God even beyond this location, beyond, but he wants to raise up the faith level, the vision level of what he's about to do. He's given you anointed men and women of God that are called and anointed, not just to bring a word to this region and city, but to the entire nation and the nations of the earth. Don't become overly familiar with what God has entrusted to you. 
Often a prophet is without honor, even in their own backyard. And yet every Sunday, every week we gather together. Let us come with an expectation. God, your kingdom's going to manifest in power today. And take that kingdom with you wherever you go because the kingdom of God is within you. We can't separate the kingdom of God from the supernatural and be authentic followers of Jesus. You can't do it. If you're going to follow Jesus, just jump all the way through the crazy supernatural door and realize that you are belong, you're a citizen, you're a son and daughter of a heavenly and earthly family, a supernatural kingdom. And in that kingdom, there is freedom, there is life, there is healing, there is power, and it, and it is supernatural. It's not a suggestive thought. It's not positive pop psychology. It is the authentic, real power of God. The Bible says in verse 22, 23, then a demon oppressed man. So he wasn't possessed, he was oppressed. There's a difference. And the fruit of this oppression was he was blind and mute. There are some sicknesses that are just because of fallen humanity. There are some sicknesses that are because of accidents, injuries and consequences, again, because of the fallenness of creation. But there are some attacks upon our bodies and upon our minds and upon our lives that is a direct assault from the kingdom of darkness. And it was this that was the context for which Jesus ministered to. This man was brought to Jesus and he healed him. Have you noticed in the Gospels, every person that was brought to Jesus got their healing? Do we come with the same expectation that everyone who comes to Jesus is going to get healed? Sometimes there are blockages for that healing. Could be bitterness, unforgiveness. Could be lack of faith sometimes. It could be sometimes just in the sovereignty of God and the times and seasons, things don't happen according to our suddenly expectation. I love what Pastor Carolina said. Sometimes suddenly takes a long time. It's like when you want God to speak, He doesn't always speak. When you don't want Him to speak, He tends to speak. And, and that is not to teach us to become disillusioned with Him. That's to teach us dependence. That it's not a form, God's not a formula you can control. He's a person that you are to be in relationship with. He speaks to you one way today and another way tomorrow. It's not about just, you know, dictating and determining God in this way, in this time, you're going to move. It's saying, God, you are creator of heavens and earth. I belong to you. I'm in relationship with you. Come and lead me, guide me. It's a relationship where I'm following the Holy Spirit in my life. And so this man comes and he speaks and he sees. And all the people, the Bible says, were amazed and said, can this be the son of David? There are many different titles for Jesus. I'd encourage you to explore, study some of them. Turn up to the internship program and the university, you'll find out what those titles are. Son of David, son of man, son of God, rabbi, prophet, different titles that Jesus had. Son of David was a prophesied term, particularly by the prophet Isaiah, of the coming reigning king to sit on the throne of David for all eternity. Wherever Jesus went as the son of David, he confronted the weapons of darkness, sin, he confronted sickness, he confronted demons, he confronted death. The enemy, the Bible says, comes to steal, kill and destroy. But Jesus said, I have come that you may have life. Life in all of its fullness. Someone here needs to hear today that even when the Holy Spirit 
challenges you, corrects you, rebukes you. It's not to punish you, it's to produce the fruit of life in you. You should not sort of hide away and cower away from correction and rebuke from the Holy Spirit. He loves you, He cares for you. If you are without discipline, you're an illegitimate child. But because you're a son and daughter of God, He cares about your eternal well-being. He cares about your calling, your destiny, your potential and your purpose. And feedback is the food of champions. And the only way that you and I are going to grow into more Christ-likeness and fulfill all that is upon our life is to allow the Holy Spirit to become the great surgeon of our souls and cut off with those pruning scissors what is going to become an obstacle to us becoming more like Jesus. And so here we have in this encounter with the son of David. The Bible says in 1 John 3, 8, the reason the son of God appeared was not just to seek and save the lost, was to destroy the works of the devil. Jesus was the fulfillment of prophecy. He was the seed and the son of David to sit on the throne over the kingdom of God. And there was an expectation that when the son of David showed up, it would be accompanied by supernatural signs and wonders. They, in their humanity, presumed that when the king came, he would come with military might and power. But also enough was foretold by the prophets that he would come with power from on high. And when Jesus looked at Pilate and said, my kingdom is not of this world, he was saying the kingdom of God can't be seen through military might, power and money. He was saying my kingdom is a supernatural kingdom. And I'm coming with power from on high to establish the rule and reign of God in people's hearts. And Jesus said in this passage, if it's by the Spirit of God that I cast out demons, then you'll know the kingdom of God has come upon you. In other words, when you see visible demonstrations of miracles, signs and wonders, it's a message, it's a a declaration to all of the cosmos that the kingdom of God has come. The kingdom of God is at hand. When John the Baptist asked Jesus, are you the one to come or shall we look for another? Jesus didn't try and convince him of his identity. He pointed to his fruit. And the fruit that he pointed to were visible demonstrations of power. He said, the blind see, the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, poor have good news preached to them, and blessed is the one who's not offended by me. You see, John the Baptist was a prophet. He knew who Jesus was. But in a cave of contradiction and paradox, he began to doubt the truth of what he already knew. And unfortunately, sometimes many believers, when they face a contradiction, a diagnosis, a paradox, this shouldn't be happening to me. One, often it's because we don't actually carry a theology of suffering. We think that to suffer means we're not victorious. No, suffering doesn't mean you're not victorious. Jesus drank the cup of suffering on the cross and yet he conquered it. Jesus said, in this world, you can have trials and tribulations, but take heart, I've overcome the world. Suffering, trials and tribulations don't make you not victorious. They make you human. That's what it means to be real and human. And yet in the midst of that, we're promised, greater is he who's in me than he that's in the world. We're promised that we can believe and contend and pray that God will move on our behalf and we'll see his kingdom come in our life. And I myself in my own family have even recently shared in the first service, seen the power of God move. Just five weeks ago on my Sabbath Monday morning, I was riding my bike in the hills of Melbourne and 
I received this flurry of text messages and phone calls and unknown, and I'm on my Sabbath, I'm not answering it. And so, I, 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 but there were so many coming through, I had to stop, and I looked at my phone, and it was my dad's neighbor, and she was trying to get in contact with me because my father had an acute stroke that morning, his second stroke in 20 years. He was rushed to hospital, and he was in emergency, um, unresponsive for three hours. And so I raced home, uh, grabbed my wife. We went to Box Hill Emergency and Intensive Care. And when I walked into the room, it was clear that we have serious issue at hand. Because of the dynamics of, of uh, my granddaughter being dependent upon my father, uh, sorry, my dad's granddaughter. I'm not a grandfather yet, thank you, Jesus. But my, my dad's granddaughter being dependent upon my father because my sister abandoned her daughter is in the drug scene and caught up in the underworld in Melbourne for the last 20 years. You see, we look at preachers and we look at pastors and we think, well, you're preaching all this. What, what issue are you facing in your life? And we don't realize that their preachers and pastors often have to go through full-on stuff to become a testimony of the goodness and grace of God for the people that they serve and that they lead. And so I'm there and I walk in and my dad is completely unresponsive. His whole face is contorted on one side. If you've ever seen a stroke victim, you'll know what I'm talking about. His body is paralyzed down one side, completely just off to the side on the hospital gurney. Nothing, there is nada, no movement, no response. The neighbor is crying her eyes out, acknowledging the seriousness of the matter. And the doctor said he's had an acute stroke. We're going to take him to a CT scan, MRI to confirm this. Later they confirmed two clots in the back of his brain. And they said to me, it'll be months if not years of recovery. Right there in that moment, I laid hands upon him and I declared in the name of Jesus, a simple again prayer. Because how many of us know it's not about the formula of the prayer, it's about the faith you bring to the prayer. Don't worry about the formula. Just do you believe in the power and the authority of the name of Jesus? It's not in your name, it's in His name. And so I prayed, and guess what? Nothing happened. And I'm there and I'm like, God, I, I preach about the power of the Holy Spirit. I, I believe in the authority of the name of Jesus. I preach in the power of the kingdom. Where is your power? Have you ever asked that question? God, where is your provision? Where is your power? I believe it, I hear it, I declare it every Sunday in church, I confess it during the week. Where is it? They took my father to a CT scan. They said, we'll be back in 30 minutes. I go outside the hospital, speak to my wife because of the COVID issues and restrictions. I walk back in and no word of a lie as they wheel my father back in. He no longer is unresponsive. He's sitting upright in his bed and he, now his face is completely back to normal. He has a big smile on his face. He's waving his paralyzed arm around and his leg showing off to me. And he says, son, how are you? I said, I'm a whole lot better now. Thank you, Jesus. And apparently during the CT scan, when he was supposed to be still and unresponsive, he pops up and starts having a fluent conversation with the doctor in the CT scan. And the acute stroke doctor and nurse have got eyes as big as dinner plates. The neighbor bursts into tears, tears of joy. She's, and she was not a strong believer. And she's like, it was your prayer. It was your prayer. I was here with him for three hours. Nothing. The doctor 
doctor said nothing. He will be in months from recovery. And not only that, but full strength returned to every limb in his body within 30 minutes of that prayer. He's speech was fluent and articulate and when he had to go to the toilet they brought him a bottle he said no thanks and he got up and he walked to the toilet and then 48 hours later he walked out with a hop skip and a jump out of that hospital and by Sunday that was Wednesday by Sunday he's now on the prayer line praying for sick people to be healed Oh, don't you dare tell me He can't heal your sick body. Don't you dare tell me He can't set your kid free from that demonic oppression in your life. Don't you dare tell me He can't supply and provide supernaturally for the need that you have in your business and in your life. I've seen too many miracles. I've seen too many signs and wonders. And then as I shared that at our Wednesday night prayer power meeting every week, Two, three, four hundred people come and gather to believe for God to move in their life. All of a sudden, guess what? Faith rises. It becomes a catalyst to other people's breakthrough. A man who had his back fused and for 14 years could not sleep on one side. Constant pain. Couldn't lift his leg after an American football injury. Big man, a God. He gets healed in a moment in that prayer meeting. A man with no optic nerve behind his left eye, blind, the buildup of blood, had surgery for two hours where they had to pull his eye out while he was awake. Hello, somebody. And work on his eye to try and help remove the the clot behind the eye. They said, there is no way you're ever going to see again. I'm praying for him and God says, I want to heal his eye. I put my hand on his eye, anointed him with oil and said, in Jesus' name, you've done it once. Now do it again. He walks out of the auditorium down the laneway next to our church and the blind eye for five years, he begins to see shades of grey appear in the left eye. As he's walking back to his house in Richmond, he starts to see shades of light. And by that night, he starts to see colours form through that left eye. By the next day, he can see traffic lights. And the next day after that, he starts to see people that are walking around, lack of definition, but walking around like trees moving like in the Gospels. I'm telling you, there's a miracle in motion when the Kingdom of God manifests and God wants to bring that into your life. And this is not just a story for a preacher or a pastor, but the kingdom of God and the power of the Holy Spirit is accessible for every single believer in this room. Thank you for listening. We pray that this message empowers you to unmistakably influence your world for good and for God. If you made a decision to follow Jesus, congratulations. This is the beginning of a life-changing journey. We would love to see you at one of our many City Point Church services across Brisbane and the world this Sunday. You can find out more about our service times and locations at citypointchurch.com. We're so excited to see you there.